Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. We are entering our 40th year and are very excited about this reunion with you, our Leadville family. And in this third season of Grit, Guts, and Determination, we are going to continue to explore the rich storytelling and eccentric stories made up by all of you, our Leadville family. Those of you who are new to our family, get out those pens and papers because those lessons are going to come at you as quick as race day. Okay, Leadville family, sit back, enjoy, and as always, we can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville. Okay, Leadville family, I got a treat for you today in the name of Dr. John Byrne. Now, when my father started this race, uh, you know the history. We weren't starting it to start a race. We were doing it to save a town. And the goal was the not-so-common challenge for the common man and woman. And referring to Dr. John Byrne as the average man just sounds insulting because he's got the title doctor in front of his name. But it's very important, this episode, and it's very important for all of you thinking about running, whether it's your first 5K or your first 100-mile foot race. Um, This is a man who calls himself the common man, taking on the not-so-common challenge. But it's so much more, and I hope you enjoy this story as much as I enjoyed bringing it to life John is a very special part of our Leadville family, and this is really one I hope gets you excited. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as you get to spend an hour with Dr. John Byrne. Okay, Leadville family, usually I jump right into these by asking my guests a question about Leadville, but before we start, I've got a really great guy for you today in the form of Dr. John Byrne, uh, Leadville family, he is what we're all about and what Ken and Mary Lee spent most of their lives talking about, and we want each and every one of you to follow in John's footsteps the best you can, so I want you to take extra special notes today, but hopefully they'll be pretty simple because the magic in making a hard work ethic work is the hard work. I think you're going to find a lot out about that today. So without further ado, I told you already I have John Byrne, Dr. John Byrne with me today. Uh, John, we have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. When did Leadville find you? Well, Cole, it's nice to be here with you today. And, uh, Funny thing is, is Leadville found me when I was 39 years old, and I am so glad that it did. Uh, funny backstory: I actually heard about Leadville first when I was 26 years old. My sister was teaching high school out in Rangeley, Colorado, on the west side by Grand Junction. And when we were at my parents' house uh, over Christmas, uh, I wasn't a runner then, and uh, she was having a little fun with me and said, you know, John, I think you ought to come out to Colorado. There's these crazy mountain men, and they run 100 miles through the mountains. I think you'd like to do that. And I kind of laughed and uh, just 
put it out of the back of my mind. She told me a little bit about the race and I was obviously impressed, but I had no interest in doing it. And then uh, 13 years later, um, out of the blue, I was uh, 39 years old. And um, the short story is, as I was hitting 40 years old, I was kind of thinking, I wanted to test myself a little bit. And it just popped back into my mind, Leadville. And so um, I signed up and I ran the race the first year when I was 40 years old. So that's when it found me. And it was at a time in my life when I just was looking to maybe uh, try and recapture some youth and kind of find out what I was made of. Well, great. Now I'm going to, I'm going to argue a little bit here. I think it found you when you were 26, you just weren't quite ready. And I think we're going to get to that moment and unpack that later in this very conversation. But uh, you you mentioned maybe you weren't much of a runner. Before we dig too deep into your 100-mile career, I've already told him about your strong work ethic, but why don't you tell us about a young John? What was your childhood like? What was your family like? Sure. Well, I consider myself one of the luckiest guys in the world. Um, I was born uh, to two wonderful parents, Dan and Lois Byrne, and I was the 12th of 13 children uh, born on a farm uh, in eastern Iowa. And, uh, you know, loving, supportive family, and I couldn't ask for anything more. Um, We didn't have a whole lot growing up in terms of, you know, financial resources, but just uh, my parents were just awesome. Emphasize all the right things, education, work ethic, kindness, generosity, and, you know, always just giving your best. And uh, so I grew up in a really great environment with with wonderful siblings, Um, and I really developed a tremendous love for sports. And uh, when I was probably seven or eight years old, uh, I had my life planned all set for me. And uh, after graduation, uh, I was going to go to Notre Dame and help them win four national championships in football. (laughs) And then... um, Following that, uh, I was going to be a professional athlete, uh, playing Major League Baseball for the White Sox, uh, football for the Oakland Raiders, and basketball for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I was just, you know, going to have this career where I was this amazing athlete and would do all these great things. Well, didn't turn out quite as I had planned. Um, <laughs> and, and as I, I grew older, uh, I was kind of a late bloomer. And while I always worked really hard, some of the talent just wasn't there. And over time, my my dreams started fleeting away and um, realized that professional athletics was probably not going to be the way I was going to make a living. So, um, you know, I guess I would say summarize it by saying uh, my athletic career uh, through high school and college was little to nothing and very much a disappointment because I just couldn't do what I wanted to do. Right. Um, so that's kind of the backdrop, but I'll tell you, it's funny how, uh, life will give you some lessons that you don't understand until later. And I would throw Leadville in that as well, but, um, or you don't appreciate until later, mm-hmm. but, um, the, the disappointments that I had athletically, in my younger years 
sort of fueled my fire uh, to really appreciate and embrace um, fitness and athletics as a, a middle-aged man. And, uh, you know, now I, I, I'll be 58 in April. So at some point I'm crossing over into old age, I guess. But, um, you know, the, the crossroads just happened. It uh, started at 26, but uh, went in long-term memory for 13 years. And I just had an opportunity to sign up for Leadville. My first one was in 2005, and it, it really just changed my life for the better. Okay, now, <clears throat> now let's back up a little bit, though, because, boy, we love to mention our philosopher friend Mike Tyson in Leadville and, and how everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Now... <laughs> The thing about you, though, I mean, you mentioned your your plan. You were going to go to Notre Dame and you were going to help them win these football games. Well, that didn't happen, but where did you go to college? So, actually, uh, I went to Iowa State for two years, had a fantastic time there, and I did have an opportunity to go to Notre Dame, so I did spend my last two years there it just wasn't as an athlete. Well, so funny um, how it, it was works. a privilege to go to school there. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. And then now you you found a lot of success in Iowa. You found a lot of success in Notre Dame and academically beyond that. Uh, so, okay, you didn't quite turn out to be the student you thought, but uh, what happened with all those academics? I mean, those are very big institutions. I'm calling you doctor. Uh, what happened after Notre Dame? Sure. So, you know, now I look back on it, I, you know, really, athletics was probably the only place that I struggled the most, but it was just that important to me. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, uh, good upbringing, parents emphasizing the right things, great support system. So um, academically, I, w I was a strong um, student. Um, I did have a good work ethic. So, you know, my professional career, I was a commercial banker for six years. I've been a professor for 31 years. And, uh, yeah, professionally, I, I think I have enjoyed a lot of success. And I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, after I left Notre Dame, I went to Chicago for four years, and uh, then my wife and I were expecting our first child, so wanted to get back home. We always talk about, like, going home to Leadville. Well, my home is Iowa, uh -huh. and I uh, wanted to get back near our family, and then we started raising our children. We, we have five now. They're all older, of course, but mm -hmm. uh, and then... Um, I, I did my master's degree at Loyola University in Chicago, and then I have a doctorate in educational psychology from the University of Iowa. And um, so that, that's a little bit about my academic career. And, um, yeah. Well, so, okay, so you, you've got an extensive academic career, and you've got an extensive career as a college professor. Now, a little bit before we move on, um, you're probably in a little better space uh, to address our young people than any of the rest of us, for sure. And I'm just curious, before we move on and more about uh, what you've done since, I want to know what your take is on young people today, on education today. You've certainly, you've even 
helped our foundations and you've helped contribute to sending those kids on to further education. And we'll talk more about that later. But what do you think about college as a, as the next step for a student today? Sure. Well, and uh, side note, it, it has been a privilege to be uh, supportive of Leadville and the uh, legacy foundation. I love what you're doing for other people. Back to your question. Um, there are different routes that we can take in college or uh, in education. College is a tremendous route. Uh, it's not for everybody, but anytime you can incorporate education into your life, the quality of your life rises. Uh, research and statistics also show that the more education you have, the better you will be able to provide for your families. Now, that shouldn't be the only reason that someone goes to college. It, it needs to align with what you want to achieve in life. And there are many different ways that we can continue to educate ourselves, whether it's through vocational training or associate's degree or a bachelor's degree or beyond. That's not really the point. The, the main point is, just as Leadville teaches us as an individual, how do you keep growing? How do you keep contributing? How do you keep helping make the world a better place? But education is definitely a route to doing that. And while the cost of education um, has been rising, it's still one of the best investments that you can make in your life. And there are a number of routes where you can help ease the burden of the cost of that. Um, there's many opportunities to do that. And I think it, a lot of it goes, there's so many parallels to running the race of Leadville and, and education. Where there's a will, there's a way, and you can find a way to do this. And uh, we'll probably talk about this in a little bit, but there were some times where, you know, you're wondering, are you going to get through that 100 miles? But where there's a will, there is more than often a way. Uh, but I am, uh, in terms of young people, uh, I am very optimistic about um, the younger generation growing up. And I don't subscribe to sometimes public opinion where it's like, uh, kids don't know how to work anymore. They're no good anymore. I wholeheartedly disagree. I have some students in my classes that I will stack up with anybody in the history of man. There, there are always wonderful people around of any age. And uh, I'm very optimistic about the future of our country, about the future of the world. I think there's some fantastic individuals growing up and it's our job, you know, people my age and your age, our job is to encourage them and to mentor them and to challenge them and to help them become all that they can be. Absolutely. Very well said. Okay. So here we are. You've, you've just talked about how blessed your life is, uh, how fulfilling all this is. You have all this education. You're giving back by now educating for over 30 years. But for the past 15 years, um, your path also changed. Uh, you somehow picked up becoming a motivational speaker and a little later than that, an author. Now, that's exciting. What led you to this career path? And I want you to connect those dots all the way to Hey, you said your sister mentioned Leadville at the age of 26. <laughs> okay, you're going to get the story out of me. Here it's we go. It's sound like a, a crazy story, but you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> so when my sister told me about Leadville in, in 19, 
91. I honestly, uh, I just thought nothing of it. And then in 2004, I was taking a class at St. Ambrose uh, to become a certified business coach. And during the, the class, um, I was asked the question, um, what fires your jet? And I was like, wow, um, I need to really think about this. But the answer I came up with, Cole, is that I really like um, trying to help people become the best version of themselves, to live a great life, and, and just to realize their potential. And when I started thinking about things that made me happy, um, it, it all centered around motivation. And some of it I was thinking about some of the books that I've read that really get me fired up or some of the speakers that I listen to that really get me fired up. Mm -hmm. And, um, I even thought reflected back on my life. And I thought, you know, there've been a few times where I've been that source of inspiration for somebody else. And there's, that's the best feeling in the world. So as I was kind of stumbling through my explanation to this question, what fires my jets? I said, you know, I think I'd really like to be a motivational speaker. But then I quickly thought, well, that'd be great, but why would anyone want to listen to me? I mean, I'm a nice guy, but I don't have this amazing story. You know, I'm I'm not a, a guy who escaped a prisoner of war camp. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I didn't win a national championship or, you know, I wasn't this amazing star. I just kind of like a regular guy. And I thought, you know, it seems like a lot of these speakers, they've done something incredible that sort of attracts people to them and makes them want to know a little bit more. And so I thought, you know, I wonder if I could do something that's just like, wow, like really incredible that people would stand back and say, oh my. And the moment I thought about that, a thought popped into my mind and it was, I'm going to run Leadville, which is crazy because I had... <laughs> said the word Leadville in over 13 years, but it, it was stuck in my mind for a reason. And I think you're right. Leadville found me in 1991. I just didn't realize it until 2004. Right. And so that was my motivation for running Leadville. Not that I'm a big fan of running. I become one for a lot of different reasons, but I thought this is something really hard, but I am tough and I am determined. And this is something that I could do. And not many people have done this, and this would give me a platform from which I could start speaking to people, and I could write a book, and I could start to share some of the things that I thought were important in life to help other people improve theirs. So that's the backstory on why I did Leadville the first time. Sounds pretty simple, uh, but then after I ran Leadville, it got a whole lot more deeper and more complex and even better. So there were some surprises uh, after I ran my first Leadville that I didn't even know were coming, which is amazing. <laughs> well, we will for sure unpack some of those. And I mean, what I love most is like all that we talk about or speak about. I mean, you actually came up with that thought independently, put it into motion, and we were going to be this catalyst. Well, so... Uh, Obviously, it worked. <laughs> now, now what, what has been the most rewarding with this career over the past 15 years? Oh, gosh. Well, uh, a couple of things. Um, I mean, I'm still a professor is my full-time job, although I'm retiring in May. And, uh, Congratulations. I'm really, 
Thank you. I'm looking forward to transitioning to instead of speaking part-time, I'm going to be speaking full-time. I'm just feeling called to to share more with people. Uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to work with college students, and I still may in another uh, avenue, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to speaking to a lot more people just about this message of getting the most out of life. And I think one of the worst things that happens to us as human beings is we just sell ourselves short and we're capable of so much more than we realize we are. And I, maybe I always thought that, but Leadville really cemented that lesson into my mind. You know, my favorite quote in the world, credited to your father, you are better than you think you are and you can do more than you think you can. And Cole, when he first said that at the rally, I was excited. It was great. But honestly, it just sounded cliche like, yeah, okay, I can't argue with that. For sure. But the moment I stepped across the finish line and <laughs> thought about what I had achieved, that has become my mantra for my entire life. And it's my goal to try and get every human being on the planet to believe that for themselves. And it's just, it was like a revelation. So when you talk, when you ask the question, you know, how has this changed, uh, you know, my career, my outlook? One, it's changed me as a man and what I've done the last 15, 18 years because of Leadville, I am blown away and I never would have thought I could have accomplished the things that I've achieved. Um, but it's also, it's really cemented in my mind the way I want to talk with other people because I've experienced it myself. Mm -hmm. I want other people to have that same joy and experience that they are better than they think they are and they can do more than they think they can. And that, you know, life is really just such a precious and beautiful gift. And sadly, any day that we go through um, grumbling and angry and upset, uh, we're wasting the best gift of all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what's been your biggest challenge in getting this message out or getting started as a motivational speaker in and of itself? Um, you know, biggest challenge on that, uh, I would say, like a lot of things, uh, my biggest enemy has probably been myself. Mm -hmm. You know, as I'm speaking to you heart to heart, it's like, oh, I want to do this. I really want to do this. But you get distracted by life. I mean, I do have a full-time job. Right. I was raising five children and, you know, I had a family. And so um, I wasn't dedicating the time and attention to trying to do more of that. But, you know, th that's all going to change. Um, and uh, it, it hasn't been a disappointment the last 15 years. It's been wonderful. I've, I've probably been around speaking to 300 different organizations. I just wanted it to be 3,000. But right. that's going to change this summer. <laughs> Um, and I, I would just say, uh, my focus hasn't been totally on the speaking, which is okay because God sends you different, uh, packages wrapped up differently. And, and I appreciate all that's happened. And I, I think things happen for a reason. My original plan was to write my book, uh, in 2006, Okay. That would have been the year after I finished my first lead bill. Okay. I did not publish my book until 2021. So it was 15 years later. 
And I kept beating myself up, like, why didn't I get this book out sooner? I could have helped more people. Well, my book was a lot different in 2021 than in 2006. Yes. And probably a lot better, and I had a lot, I had a lot more to share. So, you know, it happened when it was supposed to happen, and I think just like my career here, you know, I've had the privilege of being a professor for the last 15 years, whereas I thought I was going to leave that job. And so I don't want to regret doing that because it's it's been fantastic. Right. But uh, I'm also excited for the future and, you know, life's a banquet every day. <laughs> well, and, y you know, you gave a great segue because my very next uh, question is about you as an author. Um, why don't you tell us what that book is that you authored and where our Leadville family can find it? Sure. Thank you for the opportunity. So my book is called Winning with Grit. And then uh, perhaps on your podcast, you can share my website, but it's successisworking.com, all one word. And on there, you can purchase the book. And you and I talked about this. My, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Leadville community, and I love what you guys are doing to the legacy. And if, if it's okay with you and the legacy, I, I'd like to donate $5 a book. For anyone who buys the book, we're going to send five bucks to the Leadville Legacy, and, and that's probably not enough, but I would be honored to do that. Um, in terms of what the book's about, uh, I broke it into five parts. Uh, first part is kind of me growing up and sort of what my background is and how I got to Leadville. And uh, the second part uh, is about the first um, four Leadville races that I ran. Uh, I've, I've done five, but one was after the book was written, and then I'm going to do my sixth here this August. Yeah. Um, in, in a charity in, uh, spot, too, aren't you? Yes. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, raising, I'm raising money for the Leadville Legacy, and I couldn't be more thrilled uh, to do that. It's, it's better than just paying the entry fee and running the race. This has special meaning because more people benefit from it. So I, I'm really thrilled about that, to be totally candid. Um, so in the book, I, I talk about my Leadville races. I talk about my training and preparation for that. Um, I talk about what has happened with me since I ran my first Leadville. Earlier, I had alluded to the fact that Leadville changed me, and it really has. Leadville oh, did a thousand things for me. <laughs> but one of the things that I'd like to mention is that Leadville gave me a confidence <clears throat> to try things that I used to think were impossible for me. Um, because once you run a hundred miles through the mountains at two mile high altitude, uh, all of a sudden nothing really looks that intimidating anymore. And everything <laughs> by comparison seems a little bit easier. And so, you know, uh, I'm really proud that after the age of 40, <clears throat> I've achieved a number of physical feats that I never thought I could do. And I really attribute it all to the, the confidence, uh, the support, and the love that the Leadville community and the Leadville race gave to me. That's what gave me the strength and the belief that I could go on and do these things. And it, it's, it's just really uh, enhanced my life so much. And then I wrapped the book up by just trying to share some lessons for all this experience <laughs> if you will, kind of some life lessons and hopefully some takeaways from other people. Um, I'd like to say, I think that it, it's a, a fun, interesting human interest story um, for people who 
uh, maybe looking for a little bit of perspective on Leadville and, and uh, you know, whether it's training or running the races, um, especially if they haven't done Leadville uh, very before or only done it once or twice. I have a lot of experience. <laughs> and it really comes from what I would say, um, I'd like to think that I'm a, a an ordinary man who's done some extraordinary things. Um, I'm not a, I wasn't a cross country star like you were in high school. Heck, I didn't even like to run. Uh, and I think a lot of people coming to Leadville can maybe relate to that. Uh, of course, you have your, your Ian Sharmans and your Matt Carpenters and, you know, your Paul DeWitts. Uh, I'm not one of those guys. Uh, you know, I'm just a regular guy. But uh, I, I think probably uh, 80% of people who run Leadville are probably more like me. And so they might appreciate the perspective that I offer. Oh, they absolutely do. I think you are, are the the perfect example. That's why I think this episode is absolutely so important. I mean, I love the story of how you found Leadville, your sister planting it in your head, the culmination of where that took you to how it even relates back into your career. Um, so now let's dig into the fun stuff. Let's okay. let's address your first Leadville and what that experience w was like. Now, we know you were 40, and we know you have five grown children today, and you're a family man. What was that like when you were, when you were 39? Um, what were oh your children like? How was your wife like? Yeah. Did anybody comprehend what was about to happen? Nobody had a freaking clue what was going on. And if I had, uh, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't have tried it. But sometimes it's good to not know what you're getting into. So, you know, I had the big dream. Okay, uh, just suck it up, be tough, go run this race. Oh, boy, was I, was I um, incredibly uh, overconfident in myself, Um uh, you know, in terms of my training, I had never, I'd never run more than a marathon before. And I just did one in the past and it really wasn't part of my life. So I'm trying to figure out how do you prepare for a, a race of a hundred miles? And honestly, I didn't even think about the two mile high altitude. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's high, but I, I'm tough. I can handle that. Right. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, that was a shocker. Um, and, you know, in terms of how to train for this thing, I thought, well, you know, I'm used to running like three miles, so I'll go out for five, then I'll go out for seven, I'll go out for 10, then I'll go out for 20, then I'll go out for 40, and I'll just slowly, you know, work into it. Well, <laughs> as you and, and many others know, uh, there's a lot of things that happen in terms of fatigue and soreness and just emotionally, mentally what you go through. And I wouldn't say that my training and preparation was horrible, for 2005, but it wasn't good. It wasn't informed. And, you know, now that I look back on it, Cole, um, I feel like, you know, I'll take a couple percent of the credit because I actually had to run the miles. But, um, you know, the, the grace of God and, and just the love of the people at Leadville helped me finish because I don't think I deserve to finish. I, I didn't prepare like I needed to. Um, one of the things that did get me through was um, I did go to the training camp. Thank God I went to the training camp because, you know, the Sunday night dinner where the veterans share the secrets, you uh -huh. know, you need to do long back-to-back -back runs. 
you need to start out slow and go slower. You know, not that I listened to all of it, but I picked up enough (laughs) and it was almost too late, but I was able to come back to Iowa and incorporate some of that training. And I think it was enough to help me get through it and to finish the, to finish the race. Um, you know, and, uh, my wife, Joan, I got to give her all the credit in the world because, uh, she encouraged me to go to the training camp. And I was like, well, you know, it's an extra trip out there. Probably shouldn't spend the money. She's like, Hey, if you're going to run a hundred miles, you need this. So you're successful. And so I, I'm grateful to this Dave to her for that. And yeah, our kids, <laughs> they were, uh, ages three to 13 and they all came out. It was a family vacation. Probably wasn't a whole lot of fun uh, for them. <laughs> Uh, but it was awesome. Uh, we had a great time. Actually, my 13-year-old son, he paced me from Twin Lakes into Half Moon Campground at the time. This is the old days uh-huh. before it went to Half Pipe. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was, well, gosh, uh, another story behind that. But the, the courage uh, that he displayed and hanging with me in the middle of the night running through there, that's a memory I'll keep forever. Um, but... Yeah, it was tough. Uh, I'll give you a, a quick preview on my finish. So in uh, 2005 was probably one of the more um, memorable years at Leadville because there were two, three things that happened. Mine was the least important. But I finished in 29 hours, 57 minutes, and 43 seconds. Yeah. If I had run each mile 1.4 seconds slower, I wouldn't have finished. So that last hour um, – you know, I was practically sweating blood, didn't know if I was going to get there or not, and thank God I did. Uh, it was also the year that Matt Carpenter ran 15.42, and that record has not been broken in the 18 years since, That's which right. is incredible. <laughs> that is I incredible. remember seeing him. I was about mile 42, and he's on mile 58 <laughs> flying by me. Um, but the other one, I don't know if you remember this. You're a little younger than I am. But there was a gentleman uh, from Italy. His name was Battista Torelli, and he couldn't speak a lick of English. Okay. And we're he, we're running around May Queen in the morning. I, I got like out of the aid station with like thirty seconds to spare. <laughs> and as I'm running around the lake, my wife is pacing me at the time, Joan. And she looks back and she sees this guy looking delirious, which was Batista. And he's like, well, it seems easy to run around that lake. You know, after 20, you know, seven hours of running, you're dead tired. Uh Everything seems confusing. So he's starting to wander off. And so she runs back and she says, just keep going. I'll catch up with you. And she says, hey, you follow us. You'll follow him. You'll finish. And so he nods his head and then he starts, tries to follow us. So I finish. And there's two minutes left. And about a minute and a half later, there's this guy running to try to finish in time. And while the race says, hey, nobody can help you and hold you or pull you or tug you, Uh I get it. Four guys come out for the crowd and they come in behind him and they kind of running shoulder to shoulder with him and encouraging him. And the place is just going freaking nuts. Um, and it, I don't know if you were there in 2005 or not, but Merrily and your dad oh, will yeah. remember this. So the gun goes off 30 hours, no minutes, no seconds at the exact same time that he steps across <laughs> the finish line. The place went nuts and it was amazing. Even Matt Carpenter who had finished, you know, 14 hours and 15 minutes earlier was there <laughs> and 
Wow, what a Leadville moment. And just, again, what a testament to what this race means to the whole world. Giving it your all, never quitting, believing in yourself, and great things happen. And it was just like a Hall of Fame, you know, year for the Leadville 100. And uh, so honored that I got to participate in this race. And it was really nice to finish it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sure, and you and you talk about all this stuff you didn't know about. Uh, what were what were some of your dark moments through that experience, uh, and how did you overcome those out on the trail? Yeah, well, how many do you want? I'll tell you about <laughs> two or three of them. So, uh, my uh, probably the one that was the the worst, uh, mile forty two. Okay, uh, I'm climbing up Hope Pass. And God, it just seems to get steeper and steeper, and I'm having trouble breathing. And I'm thinking it's altitude uh, sickness, and you know, altitude. It really was more dehydration. I just didn't know it at the time, and I was just getting to the point where I'm like, okay, uh, how am I? This is going to get better. Here, I'm, I got 58 miles to go. You don't expect it to improve. And at mile 42, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. Uh-huh. And at the time, it probably just because I hadn't, you know, done a lot of long distance training. At that time, my hip was just killing me, my right hip. And so every time I stepped, I just was like wincing in pain. And both my knees were hurting, not quite as bad as the hip. But, you know, the combination of can't breathe, the mountain steep, my knees are killing me, <laughs> my hip is excruciating in pain. I sat down on a rock for a second and I'm just like, Okay, I'm not a quitter. I don't want to quit, but I'm really in despair. Like, how is this going to get any better? Right. Well, you learn. At (laughs) Leadville, you have your highs and your lows, and if you're strong enough to push through a low, you'll be okay. Well, I didn't know that at the time. And funny thing was, um, about um, nine years prior to Leadville, I went on a religious retreat for a weekend, and they gave us this cross, a wooden cross. It was about... Uh, one and a half inches by two and a half inches. Okay. And, you know, uh, I'm Roman Catholic. Faith is pretty important to me. Um, and I had put a string through that cross and I had looped it around my finger and I actually ran the whole race with this cross in my hand. But I really wasn't thinking about it during the race. And when I sat down on that rock at mile 42, halfway or third of the way up Hope Pass, all of a sudden I open my hand up and I look at this cross and I'm thinking... Oh my. And I, I just think about Jesus hanging on the cross for three hours. And as I was like, I was, you know, I felt really ashamed and embarrassed that I'm sitting here whining about something that I volunteered to do. Nobody made me do Leadville. Right. Actually, a lot of people told me not to do it. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I just, I started thinking about, you know, that beautiful act of love. And then I, it just like something, I just like, okay. I'm not hurting that bad. I can get through this and, you know, God, I'm going to honor you by giving it my very best shot. And so I just took off again. And you know what? I don't think the pain was any different in my hips and my knees, Uh but my mind was different. And I was just like, don't whine. Be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for what Christ did for us. And, you know, my low point then became one of my high points. And, uh, you know, the rest of the race, don't get me wrong, it was a struggle. You know, you oh, run it. Yeah. Yes. 
you know, the the first 30 miles, complain all you want, but that's pretty easy for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. What happens after that? That's when your character starts to get tested. And, you know, I think beyond mile 40, you're just tested for 60 miles. So just get used to it. (laughs) But uh, I just kept grinding and kept going. And, you know, uh, there were times to get sick to my stomach, of course, and just keep going. Couldn't go as fast as I wanted because I wasn't breathing very well. But, you know, I, I think a great lesson in Leadville is if you don't quit, you know, you, you still got a chance to win. Uh-huh. And I, I know not, you know, less than half the people usually finish. So those who don't quit sometimes still don't make it. But uh, if you give up, you can't win, right? Right. And so, uh, but if, that was probably my, uh, you know, my epiphany, I guess, in 2005 uh, on on the side of the mountain. And uh, wow, uh, thankful for that cross. And, and I think about, you know, afterwards, like, okay. I faced what I thought was my bottom and I didn't quit. Right. And it's like, okay, you've got the strength in you. You've got this ability to, to keep grinding, to keep coming back. And it was just so empowering to me. And, you know, then, then when you finish the race, you're just like, yeah. So then I started thinking about what else can I do? If I can run a hundred miles, what else can I do? And that's where I feel like, life took off in a lot of different directions for me. Okay, great. So, and, and even so, um, yeah, you, another thing I like about you and I is we have the same record. We're both, uh, we are both, uh, four finishes with five starts, but my first mm-hmm. one wasn't nearly as good. I had no business being out there and I'm glad yours was <laughs> way different, but what was different for you from 2006 to 16 to 21 or even. Yeah. Okay. So good. I, I, I'll run you through them real quick. So 2012, you know, five years had passed. I did let those. Like, I didn't know if I was going to come back, but it came itching again in 2011. I'm like, I want to go back. I, I want to do this again. It felt so good and I want to do it better. <laughs> so now I knew, I thought I knew what I was doing. So I ramped up my training I got a buddy to train with me all year. We ran it, and it was awesome. It was my best finish ever. It was like 27 hours, 22 minutes. And um, it, it, the race went really well. My goal has always been to run it 24 hours, and I've never done that. That's probably why I keep coming back, right? right. But um, that race, I would, you know, I shaved three and a half hours off of my time, two and a half hours off my time. It was a great day. It was also, it was the year... They finished the Colorado Mountain Trail from Sheep's Gulch to Winfield. So instead of running on the road, they sent us across the mountain, which added 2.3 miles to the race. And it was really hard. And they didn't change any of the cutoffs. But I just chuckled. (laughs) It is so much like your dad. It's like, yeah, uh, we made it tougher. Deal with it. (laughs) I love that about Leadville. No whining, no excuses. Yeah, this is the course. Deal with it. And but you know that makes you even more. It makes you tougher when you uh-huh. know you just you can't whine about it. You just got to get up and get it done. And yeah. that was my best race ever. And I ran an additional two point three miles. <laughs> so so that was a great race. So two thousand sixteen, four years later, I'm like, okay, I improved by two and a half miles. This is my year. I'm going to get it. 
and I ramped my training up even more. I, I mean, I was really proud of how well I prepared in 2016. I even thought, shoot, I'm, I could run this thing maybe in 22 hours, 23 uh-huh. hours. I'm, uh, the big dreams come too, out. Yeah. Too cocky. Uh, and no, I wasn't in that good of shape. But um, what happened in 2016 was I missed a trail. I missed a, a trail marker coming out of um, Twin Lakes. And at mile 62, I got lost for an hour and I didn't finish. Yeah, that's a tough And you didn't finish not because you didn't try. You got cut. I got cut because I, I couldn't make it to yeah. half pipe in time. And, you know, it's funny because in 2005, I probably didn't deserve to finish, and I did, because I wasn't trained like I should have been. In 2016, I was the best trained of all my Leadville races to date, and I didn't finish. So, you know, again, that's sometimes life. It it hands you things. Maybe you get more than you deserve. Maybe you get less than you deserve. But you get what you get, and you deal with it. And i tell you what, that 2016 DNF, while I, I didn't want it, it sure makes me appreciate all my other finishes. And oh, the yeah. two races that i finished since then, the times actually haven't been as good. They were in the 28 and 29 hours. But I'm so grateful because I know what it's like not to finish too. Right. So it's like everything that happens in our life, it plays a part and it plays a role. Yes. Well, and let's talk about that too. Now we, you've hit on all these things of what led you to Leadville and and you had a new career even in sight. And, you know, this was a big catalyst for that. But what, what about your why for those other finishes? Did that change? Did your why change throughout each event also? why coming back but I love the why and I I don't need to change it Um, part of the why is I like testing myself and seeing what I can actually do and that makes me proud to give effort and then of course when you you achieve something you you get the gratification from that but I want to go in a little different direction here too Cole I, I can't tell you how special Leadville and the Leadville family is to me People keep saying, okay, well, you don't, don't run Led. You've already done it. Go run Western States. Go run Vermont. I'm like, no. If I'm going to run 100 miles, I want to go home to Leadville. That's my race. I love the people there. I love what the community is about. I love what it stands for. And you, I just feel like Leadville, what it cares about is helping you find yourself, pushing yourself being tougher than you think you can be and it, it just i love that about the race i i've told a number of people if you don't even run the race go spend a weekend in leadville the, the spirit of community and a love of people and pushing for people to do their very best that spirit if you could bottle that up and spread it across the world this would be heaven on earth and I just, I, you know, I, I love Mary Lee. I love your dad. I love everybody associated with Leadville. Um, you know, real quick story. So the first year when I signed up for training camp, uh-huh. um, I sent in my check for that. I yes. get a phone call from Mary Lee. She doesn't even know who I am. 
And she's like, hey, John, um, I see you're coming out to our training camp. And she said, I want to make sure that you have a hotel. There's a bike race coming through here, and I'm afraid, (laughs) you know, if the rooms get booked up, I want to make sure you've got a place to stay. I'm like, wow. The race director calls me from halfway across the country. She doesn't even know who I am to make sure I have a place to stay. I mean, that was the first of many things that told me these people care about you. And they don't even know me and they care about me. So it was really easy to, you know, get into the Leadville family because I felt like they gave me so much more, you know, without even knowing me. And and just every experience I've had, you know, the Leadville legacy, how you guys are putting scholarship money to these kids that a lot of them aren't even thinking about advancing education. It's like, that's just carrying And all the things, you know, the, the Christmas presents for the kids and just basically saving Leadville from dying because that's what would have happened if this race hadn't come along and it's a beautiful town and there's lots of wonderful things there and in addition to the Leadville community which I I hope you guys appreciate but maybe I want to tell you from an (laughs) outside someone from outside the state what Leadville has done for thousands of people like me uh I I can't put a price on it. You know, what you've done for my self-esteem, for my appreciation for life, for wanting to make the world a better place. I'd like to think I found some of those things anyway or in other parts of my life, but Leadville has played a very special role. Um, And just the way you guys are, the way you do things, I'm just so proud. I can't wear enough Leadville shirts or hats or I want people to know I'm associated with Leadville. So when someone says, Hey, aren't you going to go run Badwater? I'm like, no, if I'm spending a weekend running. It's in Leadville. And I don't care if it's two miles above sea level. This is my home. This is my place. These are my people. And you know, um, it just, it's, it's like coming home. Well, amen. I mean, humbly, amen. We will take that all day long. You know, we, we preach it, and and there's so many of you that come back and say this exact same thing, and it brings tears to our eyes every time we hear it, and and that's just what we want too, right? We all want yeah. the same goal. If everybody were on these missions together, like you said earlier, boy, what kind of world would that, yeah. you know, that would create the most incredible world, and and we feel like we have that with our Leadville family, and it sounds like you feel very similar. Now, beyond absolutely, that, and beyond taking all these steps and all this stuff yourself, now having been a finisher and, and having all these humble lessons for both of us, do you think this is an individual sport, or do you think this was a team effort? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, great. So, good. Take, let me go back to 2005. You know, I'm a hard worker. I've had a lot of success in my life. It's like, okay, I'm going to train for this thing. My idea was like, oh, they, you have pacers there. I'm like, I don't need a pacer. I was like, I was glad to have my family come out, and I had a brother-in-law come out, and my brother came out. But my thought was, well, you know, uh, they're just going to watch me and admire how amazing I am. I'm just going to run this 100 miles. You know, this is <laughs> For them. Well, then I go to training camp and they're like, okay, you need pacers. And this is what they're going to do for you. And then when I did the training camp, you know, I actually ran, you know, uh, 50 some miles. I'm like, whew, 
this is kind of hard. Um, I probably could use some help. And so um, in, in every single race I've ran, um, I would not have finished. I'm not too proud to say this. I would not have finished if it hadn't been for my pacers. You know, where they supported me emotionally or just remind me to take Tylenol or eat or drink or do something, mm-hmm. I would have failed on my own. I know I would have. And, but I, I, it, it used to be like, I thought it'd be a source of pride as I could do this all by myself. Uh-huh. No, it's better to do it with other people. You know, your crew, your pacers, this is a team effort. I happen to, you know, have the shoes on my feet, but I wish I could cut my belt buckle in 10 pieces and give it to everyone because they all played a role in it. And if I could go back in any of those years, and let's say I could go finish it on my own, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it in a million years. The magic of doing Leadville is doing it with your team. Right. Now, I love sharing with my crew. I love that they know, and my pacers and my crew, I love it that they know they are a big reason why I finished and that I wouldn't have finished without them. So, yeah, I, you see someone run 100 miles and you think, wow, great individual performance. Right. B.S. It is the ultimate team sport, but and that's what makes that's what makes it so great. That's the way it's supposed to be. We're people are supposed to we're, we're here together. We're, you know, we're supposed to, the the greatest things are achieved with others, not on our own. Right, for sure. And now, look, we've talked about it. I've you know said many times today how important this episode is for me and many times today how much you embody specifically what we are looking for how you've taken that success and made other lives count made them better now look you know we even end our speech telling other people to bring people to leadville you're saying the same thing you try to bring them to leadville now i want everybody to know how much you walk the walk here too because we have a mutual friend, and in 2021, God, I, it was painful. I had to watch him get cut out at yeah. uh, Twin Lakes. But we've, yep. we've got a buddy in Christian, and yep. why, why don't you tell me what your 2022 looked like? Well, it was, uh, it was an honor. So Christian Robbins, uh, amazing guy. Okay, so Christian's run Leadville. I... I want to say about six times. Uh, first time, you know, uh, it got him. He didn't know what he was in for. Uh-huh. He went back with amazing determination. The next two times, I think he ran at sub 23 and sub 24. So he's a stud. Uh, he's even, he's a lead man. And then um, he ran it a, a few years later after that and DNF, DNF. And then he got in this, uh, horrible uh accident where he fell out of a tree um uh on a fell out of a crane while he was working on a tree and they didn't know he was going to live and uh, you know he recovered from that and eventually he wanted to work back towards running Leadville again and so uh in 2021 he tried it and it just didn't quite happen so last year uh 2022 he's like john i want to do it again and I said, well, I'm not running it, but I'll be there for you, and I want to pace you, and I want to crew you. And I brought my sisters out, and his uh, his partner was there, and so and she, along with all of us, um, we uh, we got him across the line. And wow, what what a man of 
character and courage and um it was one of my greatest lead mills. Even though I didn't run the race, uh, I had the chance to run the last 40 miles with him. And I was so proud of him. And his daughter got to see him finish. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he understands what lead mills all about. And, uh, wow, I <laughs> tears come to my eyes when I think about this guy and all the things that he's been through and how, you know, how much lead bill has helped him in his life, too. And, uh, yeah, it's it's an honor to have him as a friend. Well, yeah, so all of our Leadville family listening, all of our new Leadville family who maybe haven't done the race yet, yeah, we're not kidding. Bring more people back and and see what that feels like from the other end because John's telling the truth. Now, um, you know, we've hit on a lot of heavy things, but what do you think of when you hear the word Leadville? It's almost intimidating to answer this question because there's so much there and I want to make sure I don't say the wrong thing. Um, but a few things come to my mind. You know, number one, Leadville is tough and unforgiving. And a lot of people in today's world don't like that. They want a little bit more, well, make it easy on me. You know, Leadville doesn't make it easy. You know, and, it, and that's, you know, that's what people love about your dad. He doesn't, doesn't say it's going to be easy. He's like, it is tough. That's why you're doing it. But you're going to be better because you went through tough. And, you know, it, it's, I think what I love is that Leadville respects us enough to challenge us with the, the best shot that they can give us, the toughest race that they can give us. Because they understand if you finish it, you're going to feel 10 times the reward because what you accomplished wasn't easy. It was super hard at the same time. It's supportive. It's compassionate. And you know, every year Cole, you know, half the people don't finish and, but you know what? There's, there's value, valor in the effort and there's encouragement and, you know, you know, your dad and Mary Lee, they're just as proud of the ones who don't finish as the ones who do. And even if you don't finish, you still, you are a better person because of it. And sometimes people are inspired to come back and give it another shot. And, you know, that redemption, I mean, to come back and finish a year after you don't finish, uh, wow, that's a great life lesson too, right? We always talk about you get knocked down, get back up. And, and to know that you can do that and actually experience that, it just makes you a stronger, better person. And so I... Leadville's toughness is what makes it special. You know, I know people whine, you know, if they just have like a 34-hour cutoff everyone or a 34-hour time limit, everyone would finish. That's not the point. That's right. The point is, it is tough. Are you up for the challenge? And there's a pretty good chance you might not meet the challenge. Do you still want to do it? And I think that's part of the magic of Leadville. Um, you, you, you make things too easy on people. You aren't always doing them a favor. We talk about parenting, you know, you can be your kid's best friend. You might not be doing the right thing by your kid. You might be spoiling them and not teaching them the values. Sometimes, you know, being tough is one of the best things you can do, but let them mix us in the love and the compassion. So that combination makes it just the perfect race and the perfect community and the perfect environment. And just, 
you know, the character of, of all the people involved in this race. These people are real. They're genuine. They want life to be better for everyone, and they're working their rear ends off to make sure it happens. And I just, you know, it's of all the organizations that I like to associate with, this is either number one or I can't even think. I'm not sure what goes ahead of Leadville. I am so proud to be mentioned in the same sentence as Leadville. Well, we're proud, too. We're proud you're part of our family, and you, John, definitely get the magic of Leadville. Now, it's been so much fun catching up with you today, and this has been so long overdue. I can't thank you enough. Is there anything you want to share before uh, with your Leadville family before I let you go today? Oh, well, just uh, thank you for the privilege and the honor of being associated with this race. Um, I just, uh, I feel like Leadville is in, in many ways heaven on earth and I am just uh, overly grateful for what it has done for my life and and for the lives of so many other people too. You guys are doing a really good thing there and uh, the world's a better place because of, because of this community. So thank you for the opportunity to, to be with you today. Well, humbly, thank you, too, and it's a better place because you're sharing that message just as much as we are. Okay, Leadville family, I told you that was going to be a special episode, and it sure didn't disappoint. Um, Not only is, is Dr. John Byrne a tremendous individual, one of our finishers and part of your family, but he's got a lot to offer you in your everyday lives to get to that line and to take that beyond that line. And I hope some of that has resonated with you today. Uh, I definitely want you all to uh, go check out John's book, Winning with Grit. Uh, It's definitely a great recommended read. I definitely want you to check out his website, um, successisworking.com. And uh, as always, please give us a like and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcast. And we can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville.